Well, good morning. Are you ready for the word? All right. Is this echoing? I think our sound guy will fix it. Hallelujah. So good to be here. This morning, we're going to talk about the mystery of the cross. Last week, Pastor Ruth, she shared about the mysteries of God. There are spiritual truths known only by revelation. God reveals his mysteries to those people that seek him with their whole hearts. But they really aren't mysteries, are they? They're hidden truths, hidden from plain view, but readily discovered if you seek after them. Amen? In Hosea 6.3 it says, Oh, that we might know the Lord, let us press on to know him. I like the second part of the verse. It says, He will respond as surely as the arrival of the dawn. I mean, how, how, many, how many days have you got up and you haven't, and there hasn't been a dawn? Any? So God's going to respond as surely as the dawn or the coming rains in the early spring. God is worth seeking. He's worth seeking because he's worth finding. Yes. Amen. Hmm. And, and what you seek, what you find will go beyond what you could even ask or think. Amen. He holds your satisfaction in him. He is pure joy and peace. There's nothing that compares to him. Amen. He is the answer. He is everything you need. She quoted a uh, from a word that the Lord gave her on July 3rd, she said, Beloved of God, hear the word of the Lord today. Those who seek me, find me. Amen. So we're going to talk about the Lord this morning. <clears throat> I was captivated this week by a couple. Is this still echoing? I was captivated by a couple of verses in 1 Corinthians this, this, this week. In 1 Corinthians 1.18 it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. To us. That means whoever, whosoever will. Whoever comes, whoever searches, who's ever seeking after God. The one who's hungry and thirsty for righteousness. To those of us like that. And we are being saved. The word of God, the preaching of the cross is the power of God. That's so. I, I, every day, <clears throat> seems like the word of God grows more precious. The power of his word grows more precious. Paul states a little bit later in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, the real focus of his life. And it should be the focus of our life too. He said in verse 2, For I am determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's quite a statement. But that's what should be the focus of our lives. It was a, a statement of Paul that he was preaching the death of Christ. He was preaching um, everything about Jesus. That was his focus. That was his heart. That was his message. No man, no speech, no preaching, no communication of any kind can convert, a human, can convert a human soul and impart eternal life to it. 
Only God can do that. Therefore, when we speak or preach or share, we have to do it from and under the influence of the power of the Holy Spirit. It has to be His Spirit in us. Paul goes on to say in verse 4, My speech and my preaching were not within persuasive words of human wisdom, but the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Oh, man. What do you think, what you believe about God, it's the most important thing that you can think. What you say about God are the most important things that you can say. They shape everything that you do. It affects your whole life. It's not delivering eloquent speeches or good thoughts. It is, it is declaring the truth about Jesus that matters. The better part of our work as co-laborers with Christ is found in our words. The words we say, the declarations we make, the prayers we pray. Our voice makes a difference. So this morning we want to look at the mystery of the cross for a moment. Specifically, the mystery of the cross is a revelation of the inherent power that's found in the cross. Paul said, I don't want to know anything about among you except Jesus Christ and his cross. I want to share a little bit about the cross and about the power that comes through that cross for us today. Maybe, maybe you're not really acquainted with the revelation of the cross, or the crucifixion, or the death, and resurrection of Jesus. Lots of people don't know the power of that. Of the, they know the story, the historical events. They know about it, but they don't know, they haven't experienced really the power that can be found in it. It's not found in religion, it's found in revelation. The revelation of the Holy Spirit. You can do a lot of things from the standpoint of religion, but you can't. You can't share Jesus except by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Because religion doesn't produce reality. Revelation produces reality. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us. What is not your revelation can never be your possession. You possess it only to the extent that you that has been revealed to you. But God doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. Yeah. Remember the death of Jesus Christ on the cross is more than just a good Bible story. It's it's a solid understanding of the cross that can bring an answer to the majority of problems and situations that we face. His cross and what happened on that cross is the solution, God's solution for everything in life. Amen. The peace of God handles the pressures of life and that and it was released to the cross. It, it's not if it was not for the death of Jesus on the cross, none of us could be righteous enough to approach God. Without the cross, we would never have access to his presence. So apart from escaping hell and accessing heaven, what did it do? What were some of the other things that his cross did for us? What are they and how can they benefit us? 
So I have four sections I want to share some thoughts about the cross. The first section, these two or five or six points about the power of the cross. The Bible tells us that Jesus was hung on the cross, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, and that we might receive the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 3, 13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, <clears throat> being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through faith in Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Wow. We can have the blessing of Abraham and the promise of the Holy Spirit because Jesus was crucified. Second thing is the crucifixion or the, and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. They're the most significant or the most powerful things about Christianity. I would, have, I would say this, that in fact, they're the most important events that happened in the entire of human history. That's because, well, let's read this verse, Colossians 2, 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. That's just amazing. He forgave all of them. And then in verse 14 it says, he wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against you. Huh. It was contrary to you. And he took them out of the way and nailed them to his cross. And verse 15 says, He disarmed principalities and powers, and he made a public, public, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. He defeated every, every, everything. <laughs> he defeated it all. Because God, he displayed the, the majesty of his power and his authority in that day. And God's best, <clears throat> what he did for humanity, was to give his best. And he died for the worst of men. In Romans 5 it says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, and perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us. Well, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's what Christianity is all about. God offered his son in sacrifice for us when we were of no use to him. We were of no benefit to him. There was no promise that we would ever be. But God gave his son for us. That's so good. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross was God's rescue operation from all the claims of the enemy on us. In 1 Peter 1, 9, 1, 18 and 19, it says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, not with silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without spot or blemish, 
He redeemed us. And it's because of the cross we can boldly say, Satan, you have no right in my life. I don't owe you anything. I'm free. The cross is the place of payment, of restitution, of rescue, of release for us. Zach, would you bring me that water? The sacrifice of Christ on the cross <clears throat> enabled us to have reunion with God. In 2 Corinthians five seventeen, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Hmm. All things become new. Man was hopelessly lost from the very beginning when God drove Adam out of the garden. We tried everything, but it didn't work. All kinds of religions, all kinds of cults, they never found God. Because it takes God to find us. Man? Religion is man searching for God, but Christianity is God searching for man. And he's, I mean, he's really good at finding us. I was 17, was 50, I'm not going to say how long. It was a while ago. And I was, I was working on my grandfather's farm, and I got the desire to read a Bible. I said, Grandma, do you have a Bible? I could read. She said, no, we don't have any. I said, can we go to town and get one? I said, well, she said, well, we'll go to town and get one. So about a week later or two, we got to town and I got a Bible. And I started reading the Bible. And um, maybe I'd read it for about a month. And then one day I was driving a tractor in the field. And the presence of God came down on that tractor so strong, I thought I, thought I was going to die. I really did. I mean, it was just incredible. And out of that experience, I got saved and got filled with the Holy Spirit. I got called to the ministry and turned my whole life around. Changed 100 years. God was seeking me. I, I thought, wow. So I went to church the next Sunday. And it was, the Luther, it was a Lutheran church. And I said, after the service, I said to the pastor, I said, you know what happened to me? He said, you want to go across the street, talk to that church. <laughs> It doesn't happen in this church. <laughs> but that was the church I was born in. Well, I was baptized in. But it doesn't happen there. So I didn't know anybody else had that experience. And then I heard Billy Graham on TV talking about how to be born again. And, and I found out what happened to me. Because God was seeking me. And he found me. The cross of Calvary was the junction for man's worst and God's best. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hmm. The worst we have was exchanged for the best he had. 
It became a junction place where the Son of Man could become a Son of God. He made it possible for us to become children of God, to cross over from death to life. It's a junction where, where people who were bound for hell can now be bound for heaven. It's a junction of reconciliation, a junction of reunion, a junction of reconnection between God and man. His cross did that for us. So that was the section on the cross. The next section is about the exchange that happens. A couple points there. It says, he took our hurt and pain so that we could take his health. In Isaiah 53, we read those verses in verse 5. It says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. We have all, like sheep, gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was hurt that you might be healed. His pain became your gain. The sickness that should have sickened you sickened him. Amen. Every affliction and every disease that the devil wants to put on you, he already carried it. He took them all. So you can say, therefore I curse every demon of disease or affliction. I declare that diabetes, hypertension, inherited diseases, anything you can name is in that category. Jesus carried them all. Right now, you can lay hold of them. You can say, Lord, if this is one reason that you were crucified, then I cannot cross from today into tomorrow with this affliction. I cannot cross from today into tomorrow with this ear problem, with this eye problem, with this liver condition, with whatever you have. Take a minute right now. Close your eyes and just pray. Say, Lord, I thank you that you took this sickness and gave me your health. You did that on the cross. And I thank you for it. Hallelujah. That's good news. He took our wretchedness and exchanged it for his blessedness. In 2 Corinthians 8 9, it says, For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet he became poor for your sake, that through his poverty you might become rich. That's pretty good. The reason he was slain was to receive riches and blessing on your behalf. So you're not permitted 
to carry any generational curses, any generational problems. You're not permitted to carry any generational poverty. The welfare of people is in the package of redemption. And so living pitifully is not your portion. Got that? Living as a shame and reproach to redemption, it's not your portion. Christianity is not synonymous with poverty. Amen? The scriptures confirm that he took our wretchedness and he gave us his blessedness. I like, I like this next one. It says, he took our cursefulness so we can receive his curselessness. Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone who, hang, who hung on a tree, hangs on a tree. Jesus could not be cursed. He was curseless. And you are curseful. But he exchanged places with you. So he is cursed and you are free. You are free. And you can put a demand on your exemption from, the, from all of the problems and liabilities from your lineage, from your father's house, from anywhere. A curse tries to go on you. I'm free. I'm free. It's my day of freedom. Amen? Amen. Amen. He was despised so that we could be esteemed. In Isaiah 53, it says, He was despised and rejected by men. He's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Part of what he had to go through was being despised, rejected, devalued, humiliated. So that you can be valued. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is your allocation of dignity. It's your allocation of quality. He is your allocation of value. He was despised so that you could be esteemed. He was devalued so that you would have value in your life. So many, so many of the, so, many, so much of the time, we feel undervalued, devalued, uh, rejected. But we don't have to. We're not rejected. We have been esteemed. He was rejected so that you could be accepted. He experienced, he suffered rejection so that you could experience celebration like that. You are not, and you cannot be rejected. Jesus was rejected, so you would be accepted. Look at Ephesians 1.5. He predestined us to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, 
To the praise of the glory of his grace, he is, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. You have been accepted in his beloved. Wow. So celebrate yourself. Show, that the, show the devil that you are accepted by God and you're not going to suffer his rejection. Speak the blood of Jesus over your life. And say rejection, it's over. Today I'm free. Today I'm free. The third section is the power of his blood. The power of his blood. In Hebrews chapter 12, 24, this verse is so powerful. Just one phrase in it, that his blood speaks. His blood speaks. His blood speaks for me. Speaks redemption. Speaks power. It speaks life. It speaks acceptance. It speaks for me. Speaks for you too. Yeah. It's our weapon against enemy plagues and destruction. In Exodus 12, just one phrase in the middle of this long section says, this, you know this verse because it's about the Passover. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague will not destroy you. The blood is your weapon against any kind of plague or destruction. Powerful. The blood is your weapon against any type of calamity or imprisonment. I like this verse in Zechariah. It says, and as for you in Zechariah 9-11, and also as for you also, because of the blood of your covenant. Hear that? The blood of your covenant. I will set your prisoners free from the waters of the pit. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare, I will restore double to you. Because of the blood of the covenant, God says, I'll restore double to you. You can escape the enemy's captivity and imprisonment. Any, any, any prison the enemy has kept you in, of addiction, of limitation, of, of fear, you can break free by the power of the blood. You are free by the power of the blood. Third thing is that, that his blood is a, vict- is a weapon of victory in every battle over the enemy. Revelation, my, one of my favorite verses in Revelation, I have a favorite verse in every book, but in Revelation it's this one. It says in verse, chapter 12, verse 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. They overcame him. That him is Satan. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. His blood is powerful. It's a weapon that we can use. Against the enemy. In our office. In our family. In our home. In our community. It's effective. So. Appropriate his blood. In defense of your family, of your job, of your neighborhood, appropriate his blood. The blood of Jesus is what gives you victory over all the power of the enemy. It breaks the hold he has in your life. 
It's an instrument of cleansing and purification. In Hebrews 11, 9, 13, and 14. Hebrews 9, 13, and 14. I get that right. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers sprinkling the unclean sanctifies the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve a living God? The blood is the instrument that cleanses and purifies and redeems us. It's powerful in our lives. And the second, second, this second, this next one goes right along with it. It's because the blood is the key to our access then to God's presence. Hebrews 10, 9, 19. Therefore, brethren, by boldness, having boldness to enter by the, I'm going to start over on that verse. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter by the holiest. I'll get it yet. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness by the blood of Jesus. And enter into the very presence of God by the blood of Jesus. That's powerful. His blood gives us boldness to enter into the holy place where God dwells. Yeah, if you ever feel like you, like God is far away, that you don't, you struggle with a place, a place of prayer. You struggle with, with, can I break into God's presence? The blood of Jesus gives you access. His blood gives you access. There's life in the blood. The Bible says there's life in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. It's it's like. Light cannot exist with darkness, and blessing cannot exist with cursing. And the way uh, the way life and, and death cannot exist together either. Blessing cannot exist with curses. If the blood connects you to life and blessing, it means that it disconnects you from curses and death. I don't know if I got that across all the way, but you should be happy. Because God says, if you're connected to me, you're connected to life. If there's if there's a curse in any way working against you, you're set free by the blood of Jesus. That curse is broken forever. His blood is powerful, mighty, and works. It works. So, we've looked in the Word. And we've seen what it says about Jesus and some of what he did, not everything, but some of what he did for us at the cross. And it's amazing, isn't it? All of these things are part of God's will for us. They're not, they're not, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it's there. It's there. 
It's part of what God has given for us. It's part of what God's done. He said in Ephesians 1.9, he said, Knowing this, I mean, having made known to us this mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. These, these mysteries about his blood, they're not mysteries in the sense that you can't understand them. They are hidden for our benefit. When we search them out and find them, they're full of power. Do you know, did you ever find a, a, a verse in the Bible that, that you didn't know was there? Yesterday I read that verse and that phrase was not there. You ever had that happen? Well, I had that happen to me this week. I was reading in 1 Corinthians, I was studying through that first section of the book, and um, I read this verse, it says, it was interesting, it says, in verse 6 of chapter 4, it says, Now brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and to Apollos for, for, to help you. You can learn from us the meaning of the saying, Do not go beyond what is written. Don't go beyond what's written. So I checked different translations and, and I thought, that's a strange phrase. I never saw that phrase before. In the in the, the Passion translation, it says, it's futile to move beyond what is written in Scripture. I thought, wow. But then I was kind of thinking through that. And I thought, well, that's true. It's true. You shouldn't go beyond what the Scripture says. But then what it means to me is, Take everything the Bible does say and fly with it. Yeah? I'm not going to go beyond what the Bible says, but what the Bible says I got. It's mine. It's mine. Everything the Word says you are, you are. Everything that the Word says you have, you have. Everything the Word says you can do, you can do. I can do all things through Christ. Amen. Everything the Word says about you is true. True. Don't go beyond what it says, but take hold of everything it says about you. In 1 Corinthians chapter, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21 says, Paul is in the whole of this as you're reading through it, he's um, finding this comparison between himself and Apollos and Peter and, and everything. So he says, therefore let no one boast in men for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come all are yours. And you are Christ. And Christ is God's. God's got it so tied up with us. So incredible. He, he's given us everything in the Word. Everything in the Word. And the last verse in that passage that I read, in that chapters, it says in the end of verse two, chapter 4, verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but it is a power. It is a power. 
God's worth seeking because he's worth finding. Let's stand together. Lord, we just stand in awe of what you've done for us. You've given, you've done, you've taken care of so of everything. When we didn't even know we needed you, you were seeking us. You were finding us. We're so grateful, God. We're so grateful for your love. We're so grateful for everything that you've done. And Father, this morning we take hold of it. We take hold of what you've given us, what you've done for us at the cross, for everything that you have accomplished there, for all the victories that you won. We take hold of them, Lord. love you so much. We bless you and praise you. Hallelujah. Put your hand in your heart today. receive his blessing may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord make his face shine upon you may the Lord be gracious unto you lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus mighty name amen go in his grace amen